This country was built on a distinctly American work ethic. But today, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and diminished our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make a variety of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more. All made right here in the USA, from growing the cotton to adding the final touches. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs for seamsters, cutters, and factory workers in towns and cities across the United States. And it's about more than an income. Jobs bring pride, purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the podcast, Three Sides, with me, Aaron McLeod, where we will talk about all things that fall under the umbrellas of high performance, passion, and equality. Welcome to today's episode. It's one of two parts. I'm really excited to share this one with you. But before I start, let's have a few words from our sponsors. I don't know if you've heard, but apparently the former NBA player Lamar Odom may be returning to professional basketball in Spain soon. Apparently, he's going to try out for Paul Gasol's team. He's been taking a new product he owes the credit to, Balance 7. Balance 7 is a pH balancing alkaline supplement drink. It's like vitamins or supplements in liquid form. Just one ounce a day, three times a week, and in a week, you'll see the effects. As an aging athlete, I can definitely say you start paying a lot more attention to things going into your body, um, and this could be the solution for you. So you can see how Balance 7 has helped, and right now, if you go to balance7.com and use the promo code BELIEVE, capital B-L-E-A-V, you'll get $10 off their 32-ounce bottle. The bottle lasts 11 days, which is the perfect amount of time to feel the pH balancing drink go to work. Again, that's balance7.com and use the code B-L-E-A-V, believe, at checkout. And yes, it is that time of year again and all eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the football season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL Mega Contest, the world's largest $200,000 NFL Survivor Contest, open now at betonline.com. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. Take advantage of their opening day super promo. Make a bet on Thursday, September 9th, season opener between the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25 for new customers only when signing up and using promo code NFL100. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. On day 14 of the Tokyo Olympics, Aaron McLeod's childhood and adulthood dream of winning an Olympic gold medal came true. Canada's women's national soccer team defeated Sweden 
in an excessively stressful shootout following 30 minutes of heavily defended extra time on top of a 90-minute match. It's the first Olympic gold medal to be determined by penalty kicks. Oof. Now, if you're thinking, why is Erin making this introduction to her podcast in the third person? And why does her voice sound so smooth? Well, that's because this is Kara Lightman, previously known as Kara McLeod. That's right. I'm Erin's personal ball shagger, graphic designer, and little sister. And today I'm putting Erin in the hot seat while I ask her questions about what it's like to go to the Olympics and then have a true Olympic gold medal experience. Now here she is, A-A-A-Ron! Wow, what an introduction. Hi, welcome to your podcast. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me on today, Kara Lightman. Of course. Is this weird for you? Not really. Is it weird for you? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, kind of. (laughs) Ah, this is a first. This is a first. Maybe many more to come. Well, it's, yeah, hopefully. Um, I did want to explain that, first of all, this idea came up earlier in the Olympics. And I thought it would be funny to have, like, an inside scoop on what it's like to be in the Olympics. And then you guys just, like, went ahead and won gold. So... That's even more interesting. So first of all, congratulations. (laughs) Thank you very much. It was all for this podcast moment. (laughs) Um, Okay. And then we went out and asked Instagram for questions and people actually responded, which was very cool. Amazing. Um, So lots of good questions. I'm going to try to work in naturally with what we already have and make some additions. But this first question, I feel like we have to give lots of time for because, and I wanted it to, to be first, because it was the one question um, directed to me. So, <laughs> of course. <laughs> so, the question is what was it like growing up with Aaron? And this answer I feel like could take a whole episode. So, I'll just try to keep it brief. Um, and, like, of course, I feel like we had like a really great upbringing and childhood and we played very different roles (laughs) and personalities in life and there's like so many you know fun stories about like all the you know times that we played and times that you got injured from us playing together and like you know breaking windows windows whatever yeah And like, I've always been the smallest and the weakest in the family. And, you know, you guys call me Beth, like from Little Women. And That's horrible, <laughs> isn't it? Common, <laughs> it's a common joke. But I think what this question is like, because I, I have been asked this before, like what it's like to be a sister of an Olympian or like a superstar who's, you know, like you you do everything at an Olympian level, like not just soccer like you're a fantastic singer and artist and all those things and so I think what people are wondering is so many people they're texting you right now (laughs) right now oh Oh, god she's lighting up yeah (laughs) um is like are you jealous or do you feel like you know you're in the shadow and I have to say like no absolutely not I feel like we're so lucky to have the friendship and the the relationship we have as sisters 
like not just you, but you, Megan and myself, um, we're all super close and we are lucky to have the family dynamic that we have because we all celebrate each other's wins. You know, if we all support each other with any type of loss, you know, your wins just happen to be like Olympic games. <laughs> um, and I think that's, you know, that positive relationship is thanks to our, the support from our parents who have always kind of treated us fairly and equally. Um, but I think it's also because of you and like you're... Mm. <laughs> Are you going to cry this episode? No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm just, uh, because you're so supportive and like, you know, I could do anything. I could make like a peach cobbler and you could be like, that's that's amazing. Like what? You did a great job. I and bet it would be. <laughs> <laughs> but, She's a great cook, everybody. Great chef. <laughs> Thank you. But you are like, I mean, right there, you, you're super supportive in anything that we've ever done. And, you know, you've come and watched my own urban rec floor hockey games in an elementary oh school. Oh my God, talk about anxiety. <laughs> yeah. The welts and then went to the hospital with you. Um, <laughs> that was horrible. I hate, I hated every moment of that. But I think what I've really appreciated lately, like I've always appreciated mom and dad because they have always been so supportive, kind of wh whatever we wanted to do. I remember when, you know, you wanted, you were so determined to uh, like make your own way and you would come home from the bottle depot with like black fingers and then you would like eat a bag of chips and, and like literally suck on each one of your fingers. And I was like, Bleh. and you know what? Like they were just so, they're so proud of us no matter what we did. Like, um, and I think that goes such a long way. Like, I think as of late, I've become a really good teammate because, and hopefully sister and friend, because it's, it's just about love and support and accepting the fact that it, it's like love in abundance. There's so much love in the world and everyone has the ability to, it doesn't mean like if I get better, someone else gets worse. It's like, if I get better, someone else can get better and we all can get better together. So I think in our family, it's all about love and support. And I am so proud of you and I'm so proud of Megan and, you're just such strong human beings. And I think what mom and dad did right. I mean, obviously everybody has their flaws, but like both mom and dad always work so hard and they're all, they've always been so kind. And I think those two things I cherish the most and want to make sure that I exude like every day. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I mean, it, it definitely, when people ask about you, it just, I, I'm excited and it fills me with joy that like people know who you are and they are watching women's soccer. And I, I think it's, it would be impossible to feel anything but positive feelings because it's, it's just, it's awesome. And it's definitely worth celebrating. So, oh, and then also I was going to say that the perks to being your sister is that you get to travel to see you play some cool places and um, you get, I, I always get your hand-me-downs. I don't buy any clothes. I just wait for you to purge. And I, I haven't, I don't think I've ever bought my own pair of runners. So thank you. <laughs> uh, you're welcome. You're welcome. I can't take full credit for that. I've had some wonderful sponsors over the years, but, um, yeah, I also feel really lucky. Like when your passport hasn't been expired, I've been very happy <laughs> that you've been able to come to most, uh, events and, um, and then like cry with random strangers in bars in the middle of Victoria when you're not able to travel 
uh, around the world to go see. Uh, I tell you, that was time, it the semifinal? Or, you know, that yeah. time between, <clears throat> you know, like when you are fully dependent on your parents and like learning your way into like adulthood, sometimes your passport yeah. expires and then you just happen to miss <laughs> your sister playing at the Olympics because of it. Oh, whatever. It's fine. <laughs> It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I just like really expose more of like the Vancouver world to women's soccer because I was screaming at that that sports bar and like yeah, you so, were. It was a selfless so act, really. Yes, thank you for being a team um, player. Oh, and I did want to say to be clear, like if I wanted to be an Olympian, I probably could have been, but probably. But because, but then I saw how much you had to work for it, and I was like, oh, that no, that's not for me. I remember the day when you told me that, actually. You're like, yeah, I really wanted to go far. And then I watched how hard you work. And I was like, yeah, I'm I good. There's so many other things. <laughs> but you do work so hard and you work at, you know what I mean? Like you're an incredible mom. And there's so many things you you work so hard at that, trust me, when it's time, <laughs> I'm going to need some help, you know? But um, yeah, and I think I'm just going to give a shout out to you and to Megan. There's a lot of like unsung heroes like you work all the time and you have two kids and it's incredible to me. You never stop. And we have moms on our team and I literally have never been more amazed by human beings than I have by the moms on our team. They never stop, yeah. you know, like when they're done training and physically exerting themselves, they go home and they take care of a kid and don't get very much sleep. And, and then they come back and do the same thing the next day. And I remember you and Megan both kind of said, you just get used to being tired. <laughs> like, athletes are big babies you know what I mean like I don't nap anymore I think because I'm too old now you know when you just stop napping because you're too old <laughs> anyway um I'm trying but yeah it's incredible well, thank you what you guys do yeah you do have some moms on your team that crush it too like top scorers they do absolutely yeah okay so let's actually talk about the Olympics um okay <laughs> yeah. so first how did you find out you were going to the Olympics so Bev Priestman gave me a call. Um, originally, I was going to be an alternate. So there's 18 that make the full squad, and then there's four alternates that can or cannot be used throughout the Olympics. And it's a very different experience. You're like in the stands. In the past, they haven't been able to go on the podium. Not until 2016 did they get a medal. So it's, it's a very different experience. You go as a supportive player. So they sent out a survey to the whole team if it's a role that, in our player group, if you'd be willing to play. And I said, yes, of course, uh, no brainer. And uh, so she called. So at the time she was like asking me if I wanted to to go to the Olympics. And it's kind of funny because she called me on WhatsApp and there's like a dead spot in my apartment when it comes to the internet, right? So she's giving me like, oh, you've made the team, whatever. And I'm like, oh, thank you. That's That's wonderful. And I didn't know what else to say. And then there's like this long pause and I'm like, oh, shit, has the internet got on? She's like, well, are you willing to accept it? The alternate role? <laughs> I like, she obviously hasn't heard anything that I've just said. And I'm like, yes, yes, no. And then I overdid it for the rest of the conversation. Like, yes, I'm so happy to go to an alternate. <laughs> you know, like, um, and then, and then what was cool. So we go into camp and come around the corner and we're about to go into a meeting and Bev's like, they've changed the roles. 
And I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, they have to change the rules for the Olympics. It's no longer 18, it's 22. It's become a, a fluid roster. 18 players will will dress, but those four extra are in and out of the roster, whatever, like it doesn't have to be that four, it can be any four. And you're put, you're part of the full squad. So at that point, I'm like officially going as a full member of the team to my third Olympics. And then of course I'm like crying and Maeve Glass, who's one of the, a fantastic human who's been an equipment manager for, I don't know how long. Um, I see her like coming around the corner. We're just like holding each other crying. And it was really cool. And I had the same reaction with Jordan, he- Jordan Heidema and, um, Soph hadn't been there yet, um, and Gabby. It was just really emotional because uh, it is it is quite a different role. And it's still a hard role, but it was just really cool that we were all, like, officially going. That's awesome. Well, and I'll, I'll ask you more about your <clears throat> role as an alternate moving forward. But back to the nitty-gritty. Okay. How do you actually get to the Olympics? Are you, like meeting the team at like the Tim Hortons at like the Vancouver airport. And then you like all fly together or like, how do y'all get there? Uh, Tim Hortons would be one of my first choices. However, we were in an LA camp leading up to it. So we were in LA for about 10 days, I think, and traveled together to Tokyo. And it was, I actually, we went to Narita, but it was a nice long flight. We were all together and I think we had to basically travel together because this Olympics was so unique with COVID. So there was a lot of protocols, mm-hmm. a lot of testing that we had to do, especially on arrival. We had to COVID test in the actual airport and go through kind of these all these different lines to make sure that we were COVID free before leaving. So it was a couple hour wait once we actually got to the airport. Jeez. After a long travel day, so it was a little bit haggard. Well, and that <clears throat> that's a good segue to another question that came from the gram is how did COVID change things, you know, beyond like on top of the testing and then like obviously there was no fans in the stands, but like any other major differences? Because again, this is not your first Olympics. Yeah, so in one way I felt, I kind of felt bad for the, first Olympians because it's a different experience when you don't have like a stadium full of people but at the same time if it's their first Olympics they wouldn't know any different so and to be honest I think the experience was really powerful because obviously we did really well but I think in one way you know a lot of us were lucky to be in Canada during the beginning part of COVID in the sense that um, we were all very much in lockdown. So we were all pretty familiar with like either being in a basement or doing a workout in a small space or so I think that actually ended up helping us a lot once we got there because soccer is different than most of the Olympic sports. Most of the Olympic sports are only a few days and they go and they're in the village the entire time. The way that soccer has worked historically is you you play a game you play most of your games outside of the village. And then you end up only being, for us this time, we were in the village only for the semi semifinal and the final, like staying in the village. So you travel quite a bit around the country, flying from place to place. So the hotels were pretty strict. Like we were only allowed on our own floor where our rooms were and then the meeting floor or where our meals were. And there was people like working the elevators. We weren't allowed to go outside. We had to like sign into meals, sign out of meals. We had those plastic 
guards in between each um, eating spot. So we'd have masks on all the time, COVID tests every single day. So it was pretty intense. And once we got to the village, it was like, the rules were totally different. You had to have a mask, obviously, in the village, but um, the social distance, it wasn't as strict, I would say. But again, you're still doing the daily testing. Um, and uh, so in some way, they if, if there was any COVID outbreaks, they would have handled it very quickly. And I think there was a few cases at the beginning of the Olympics and they handled it right away because of the right protocols and everything were in place. So in that sense, it was a lot, but Robin Gale was like our team connector and she found a way to like, we would play like team games and Kahoot and like all these other things to kind of keep us engaged. So we were not like twiddling our thumbs. We had a Mario Kart competition. I was pretty horrible, but um, I'm trying to think, I think Vanessa actually ended up winning Desiree Scott a close second. So, um, you know, we found ways to kind of entertain ourselves. And I think to be honest, we just were all, you know, we get along really well. And I think that really ended up helping because the only people we could hang out with were each other. So like it made the experience much better. But as far, I know this is the longest answer ever, but as far as the games and competition <laughs> went, uh, sorry, listeners, for all of you falling asleep. It, like, again, because we were such a close-knit group, and there was there was some fans depending on the like the region you were in, but they weren't like allowed to clap or even like scream or anything. Yeah, it's crazy. So it was just one another's voices you could hear out there. So it was really just us supporting one, one another, and in that sense, it was kind of unique and cool uh, the whole time because you're screaming, yelling for your teammates; they can actually hear you. And our opening game was against Japan. So if if the pandemic was a different situation, you wouldn't have been able to hear any of us. So in one way, it was for team connection, it was really important for us, even if we were on the extended roster, to be, you know, there keeping one another supported the whole time. Well, that's a <clears throat> that's a good point. Yeah, that long was, answer. That was actually <laughs> yeah. so long that it actually answered my list of questions that I had. So I don't I don't have any more questions. <laughs> this area it's over but uh, <laughs> yeah. but um i mean the one question i didn't have you didn't answer was who was your roommate uh jade revere was my roommate 20 years old nice she, just, she is okay, fantastic so you guys have lots in common. we yeah obviously <laughs> the youth like to hang out with the youth um you know what though that's kind of the thing i love the most about being my age and still playing is you always have sport in common with all the people on your team but um yeah the older I've gotten like I, I'm friends with a lot of the youngins on the team and I just feel really lucky that I've been in an environment where like age doesn't matter and that's not this the case in a lot of environments and um I think no matter how old you are there's so many things you can learn from the youngins and to be honest like having the opportunity to work with Kaylin Sheridan it was the first time I've really worked with her very much and she inspired me that whole tournament, you know, wanting to play more and, and work on technique and certain things. So in in one aspect, I'm so grateful for the, for the young players. And they try to keep me hip, you know. They try their hardest, I mean. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they... <clears throat> I can't even... Yeah, I can't even imagine. I mean, I, I say that because I, I... Well, I'm taking a break from being a high school teacher, but, like, you know, I feel like my level of cool was really dropping with each... <laughs> year that I taught yeah. where I was like, ooh, I don't know if I can do this anymore. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. So an Olympic game day experience, 
So this is one of my monologues. So bear oh, with me. Oh, amazing. I love your monologues. Go on. <clears throat> okay, like many of your listeners, I'm sure, I also used to play soccer and have traveled to a number of tournaments and away games. Uh, in my experience, a typical game day included a wake-up call from your coach, a team walk around the hotel neighborhood, breakfast at the hotel restaurant, then an unnecessarily early bus ride to the field where you would fill up on protein bars while killing time before actually getting ready for the game. Then our pregame locker room prep time included braiding each other's pesky flyaways because we weren't allowed to wear bobby pins. I don't know if you can at the Olympics, but anyway. Uh, we would steal the trainer's medical tape and pro wrap to tighten up our shin guards and make some uh, headbands. Uh, maybe like stealthily sneaking like a pregame nervous poop and then finding out the starting lineup and plan for the game. So I want to know what a game day looks like for an Olympian. Is your day way more elegant and professional as you make it seem on TV? Or are you all just as basic as the rest of us? Well, I'm kind of pissed because I never had a personal wake-up call from my coach. I should talk to Bev about that. Um, unfortunately, I just used an I mean, alarm. I Oh, yeah, just an alarm on my phone. But um, I'll talk to the coaching staff about that. We can bring that back. Uh, I did personal wake-up calls as a coach. So. Oh, you have? Yeah. So. Okay. Well, so I would say normally an alarm. Um, and then it depends on what time the game is at. Originally the final game was supposed to be at 11 AM, but it was about 41 to 44 degrees Celsius for those listening in the U S Celsius, not Fahrenheit. Gross. Um, gross about the U S or gross about the heat. No, <laughs> oh, okay. no. just, Gross, gross about the oh, temperature. But in Fahrenheit, that's what, 200? I don't know. Yeah, that's probably, I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> I was going to say that's wrong, but I don't actually know. I don't understand Fahrenheit at all. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah. So normally on game days, they kind of let us sleep in a little bit, have our breakfast, and to break up the day a little bit, we normally have, it's kind of like a walk and stretch but because we weren't allowed to go outside for a lot of the times, it was more like an indoor kind of like a yoga or like a Pilates type of just a mobility session to keep us moving. And then normally normally after that, we'll have a, a team meeting. And it's more like just review of stuff that we've gone over through the week. Normally a motivation video at the end of that, which I always appreciate. And then we get into another meal. Um... Yeah, a lot of eating, especially when you're uh, an extended roster player. It's a lot of eating <laughs> or sitting. But um, yeah, so another <laughs> meal. And then and then we normally travel. I'm the same, like the nervous game day poops. So you I like how you make try to make that sound nice. Um, that happens, I think. Well, everybody has Everybody them. has them. <laughs> no, but like, anyway. Um, so yes, that it's all kind of the same. What's... <laughs> I think once you get to the locker room, I mean, normally we have a, a couple of people that are really like dancing it up uh, in the locker room. And then we have some people who are like meditating. So it's, it's quite a different, it's a range of how people prep for the game. And we figure out the lineup um, normally not at the game a couple of days before we have an idea. We've gone over set pieces and stuff. We know all of our roles and yeah, then we just kind of uh, get closer to game time. We have a lot of, we have, protein bars as well and a lot of different types of 
fuel, like fuel, whether that's goo or I can't give away all of our secrets actually. So we have a lot of different types of food that you can cram in. And then we have stuff around the field for like throughout the game. And I think the rest is kind of, kind of the same. Some people listen to music and are quite like religious about that on the bus. And some people just like to chat it up. And there's a few players that get really bad motion sickness. So they like literally just sit at the front of the bus and just hope not to throw up. Um, <laughs> yeah, which is horrible before a game. And yeah, that's basically it. I mean, after, I, I think the biggest thing at this level is the recovery. I mean, on, at this level, also at my age, you become really, really aware. And the moment the game's over, you know, we're getting our stretching, we're getting our ice baths, especially at the Olympics. The games are every three days. So the turnaround is very tight. So, um, yeah, so I think that's the only thing that I've spent more time on. Uh, and then people have to do like recovery boots so they get uh, massages, you know, like just anything you can to get you ready uh, as soon as possible for the next one. Do you personally have any superstitious rituals that you do? Like you said, you have some teammates who always listen to music. Some people are meditating. I'm guessing you're a meditator, maybe. I don't know. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> throwing that out there? As our full-time Mindful Project employee, yes. Um, I don't know if I'd call you an employee. <laughs> you're more of a volunteer at this time. Uh, but anyway, don't get any ideas. Um yeah, I, well, we like to have a lot of pancakes on game day. I love me a pancake on game day. And I definitely listen to a meditation on the way to the game, whether that's playing here at the Pride or with Canada. It's normally just, I like to feel grounded, a little bit calm and like um, in my body, if that makes sense. And... I'm always so nervous on game day, no matter how long I've been playing, it doesn't matter. And that's where I'm like really appreciative of all the mindfulness stuff that I've done, speaking of which, because um, I kind of just kind of got to sit with my butterflies and let all the, the thoughts go through my mind. So that's why it's really nice for me to just kind of like sit there and like accept whatever's coming in and out of my mind and puts me in a good, calmer place to get ready for the game. Well, that's very well answered because I was also going to ask, how do you deal with the pressure that comes with events like the Olympics? Which was a question from the audience. The audience? <laughs> yeah, I mean, as I've gotten older and I, I mean, after the 2008 Olympics, I really, I read every self-improvement book I could get my hands on. And um, I think pressure is an interesting thing. It's like most of it is self-constructed, you know? So it's about sometimes taking a step back and looking at expectations and why something matters so much. And, and pressure, you know, I feel like the more you focus on the outcome, the more you feel the pressure. And so for me, what's been really helpful is just being in the present moment because I really can only control my, my breathing, my effort. And then, of course, my mindset, if I'm totally putting all of my attention into the moment, then I'm not worrying about an outcome. And that the moment you shift from being in the present moment is the moment you become you know, less effective as a, a human being and an athlete. So for me, some of the tools that is really the reason that I started the Mindful Project with Rachel is these breathing tools, like your body is always in the present moment. 
So the more I can feel grounded and feel connected with my body or feel connected with my breath, um, it's always been so helpful. Even I remember playing in that first NWSL game this season and I hadn't played a game at this level for a while and I was really nervous and I just literally was in the game counting my in-breath and counting my out-breath. And every time I felt myself getting anxious or my mind starting to go, I would just come back to that. And, you know, I think in general, like all you can do is your best and all the preparation you put into that moment is, is for that moment. So you just have to be in the moment to be able to perform. It's got to trust that process. That's right. Um, okay. So you, you mentioned like your role and like, I liked how you talked about how there were no fans and so it was cool that you got to you know cheer for your team and hear your team and anytime people would ask me like oh is your sister playing I I would say no she's an alternate but if you watch the game you will probably actually hear her cheering because you're always one of the loudest um so again you were an alternate at this Olympic Games um Knowing that, how did that change your experience? And like, how did your role change as an alternate to like as a teammate and a leader? Many years ago, I came up with my why and like, you know, my purpose. And it was um, to do my, to learn as much as I can to see what my limits are. And similarly to challenge those around me to see what their limits are, what we're capable of together. And, you know, it was probably my hardest, most challenging Olympics from an emotional standpoint, um, but it was also probably the most rewarding. I haven't always been in this role. And to be honest, two and a half years ago, I, I couldn't even walk my feet. I was in so much pain. So part of me was so appreciative that I was even there. Um, but part of me struggled because every time I'd been in a major tournament for Canada and been healthy, I was the number one goalkeeper. So, um, I battled a lot, I think, with my ego. And I read a really powerful quote by a basketball player who basically was saying like, your ego is about the past and your pride is about the future and humility is about the present moment. And the more I came back to that, the more I thought, okay, um, as long as I exist right here, right now and try my best to be that positive influence of those around me, like the better I'll feel. And it was true. And like we talked about at the beginning, love and abundance are the things I focused on. And I think so much in the past, I've come from a place of like fear and scarcity. Like I can only be great. You know, if someone else is doing really well, it, it means I'm not great anymore, but that it doesn't, that's, they're not correlated. You know what I mean? Like if someone else is doing great, it was almost like I took a different approach. Like if the other keepers are doing well, like I want to help get them to be at their best, you know, and then, and then you get to be as connected as you want to be. So anyway, it was, it was hard at first. And, um, you know, I connected with Gunny a lot and like, I had to get, um, some advice, Karina LeBlanc, bless her. Um, you know, uh, was a wonderful support network. I remember in the 2012 Olympics, she was fantastic. And we pushed one another right to the end and just kind of left it up to the coaches. And I find, uh, personally, when I am pushing those around me, my performance is better, but also it just feels good. You know, when you see someone, as I've gotten older, like a Jade Riviere, when you see someone and you're helping them and, and trying to get the most out of them and you see them get to this next level, it's so inspiring. 
you know? And um, so, yes, it was hard as an alternate, but at the same time, it was really cool because I'm 38 years old. I've been in this program since 2001. And Karina said to me years ago, like, I feel good leaving this program knowing it's better now than when I got here. And that's what you want. You always like want to pass the torch. And I look at our goalkeepers. Steph Labe was fantastic that whole tournament. Um, she put on a clinic in those um, in the PKs. And same with like working with Kaylin and and even Sabrina D'Angelo and Riley Foster. Like there's so much talent in this goalkeeping group. And the fact that I'm like still hanging with these kids is awesome, you know. And um, and in that sense, it's cool because all you want what you want is these young people to. Uh, keep the culture and keep the high character and and the values that you bring to the to the group and it's all there and to just see all of them shine uh, was an honor for me well I think that's a very expected answer from you that it's not just about the play but the character and you know being a good teammate isn't just being Mm -hmm. a good player but being a good teammate um okay now we have to talk about the gold medal game check out the answer to that question and many more on the second part of this podcast in two weeks with my sister Kara Lightman today's episode was presented by bet online Thanks for joining me on this episode of Three Sides with Aaron McLeod. If you are interested in hearing about a certain topic, let me know. You can email me directly at themotivenation1 at gmail.com or my Mindful Project email, aaron at themindfulproject.us. Thank you for your presence and for listening. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.